Hey there, and welcome to Health Yeah with Gene O'Connor, the president of the board of directors for the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors. You can find more information about NACDD at chronicdisease.org. As always, I'm Joseph Rhodes, your friendly podcast producer. All right, we've got a great episode today. Vincent LaFranza, the CEO of the National Network of Public Health Institutes is on, and we've got a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and get to it. Take it away, Gene. Welcome, uh, Vince, to the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors podcast series on population health improvement. We're really excited to have you join us. I'm Gene O'Connor, and I'm the current president of NACDD and a state-level public health practitioner. I'll be your host today for this conversation. So, Vince, you work for the National Network of Public Health Institutes. You're actually the CEO, is that right? Yes, uh, that is correct. Can you tell us a little bit about your organization and what you do? I'd be happy to, Jean, and let me just first say thank you for inviting me to this podcast, and I have great respect for the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors, and congratulations to you and your presidency. NNPHI, or the National Network of Public Health Institutes, uh, mobilizes more than 40 member public health institutes around the country, as well as 10 university-based regional public health training centers and their 40 affiliates. Uh, We are a social, financial, and information network connecting more than 4,500 subject matter experts with organizational partners across the nation. In terms of NMPHI's mission, we work to support national public health systems initiatives and strengthen public health institutes to promote multi-sector activities resulting in measurable improvements of public health structures, systems, and outcomes. It's quite a mouthful, but it's all about population health improvement. Wow, that's impressive. So you've been working in the field of public health for a long time now. I understand that you were the program director for the Turning Point National Program Office at one point. Can you tell me a little bit more about that, too? Sure, and it actually relates to some of the roots of NNPHI as a network. So earlier on in my own career, I had the privilege of working on the Turning Point Initiative, which was a very large national initiative in partnership with NACHO, the National Association of County and City Health Officials, and University of Washington School of Public Health out in Seattle, and RWJ, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, and Kellogg Foundations worked together to fund a national demonstration program that really was meant to invigorate public health across the country, and we did it through demonstration initiatives that asked public health practitioners in the governmental spaces to sort of break out of their governmental roles and form new partnerships with communities and all types of organizations and sectors. And so that was really the core of Turning Point's intent. And NMPHI as a network, uh, part of the network evolved from some of those Turning Point uh, initiatives. Yeah, that's terrific. So I am curious about NMPHI. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about some of what you do now and what your 
partners in your network do as it relates to population health? I think I'll start by explaining a little bit about what public health institutes are. They are all nonprofit organizations that improve the public's health by fostering innovation, leveraging resources, building partnerships across multiple sectors, including government agencies, communities, healthcare delivery systems, media, academia, any partner in a sector that has a role to play in some improvement of a population's health status. Public health institutes that currently address many emerging health issues as well, which we'll talk a little bit more about that. They also provide direct services to organizations, including to many governmental public health organizations. Those services could include fiscal and administrative management services, they can include population-based health program delivery services, health policy development, implementation and evaluation services. Public health institutes do a lot of training and technical assistance um, and also research and evaluation and health information services and also health communications and social marketing services. And also a lot of our work in public health, as you know, and your, from your own work, is about convening and partnering with different groups. Groups, and so there's a lot of convening that we do all across the year. That's great. I know here in my state, we work closely with our um, public health institute. They do help us with a lot of facilitation and bringing together partners so that we can more effectively do our work in government. Um, it sounds like the members across the country do similar work. So what else can you tell me about NNPHI? And, and you mentioned convening people and doing a lot of that as a national network. What do you have happening this year? Well, NMPHI in any one given year has multiple national convenings. We have in May coming up our 18th annual uh, public health conference, NMPHI runs every year, and we bring together lots of different players um, in the public health space, including governmental folks. Um, so I do encourage folks to check out our conference and even to submit an abstract, which they're out on the street now, so people can submit abstracts to that conference. For th this year will be our first year that we convene the conference in conjunction with a public health workforce development summit. Uh, which I think is a fantastic opportunity for us to revigorate the workforce development areas that we need to focus on in the United States. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. I do want to come back to something that I think is important here in terms of why public health institutes are needed in this country. Why are they important? We work very closely with government. Assuring the health of the public in the 21st century is a huge, huge job, and governmental agencies have a very heavy lift. Our mission really is to help them uh, be successful, especially in terms of the things that we know are preventable. And for the second year in a row, for example, our life expectancy in the United States is decreasing from completely preventable conditions. They're largely a result of either using from drug misuse and addiction to lack of access to quality education and employment. Um, our zip codes should not predict life expectancy, but unfortunately they still do. Um, this is not in our biology at all, and so there are things that we need to do uh, much better as a society. And so a lot of the, the mission of the institutes, and they all have their own unique you know, mission statements, but a lot of the core mission um, is to support 
the whole governmental public health sector and bring the private sector to bear to make those changes in society. That's terrific. For many of us who work in chronic disease prevention, of course, we know those social determinants of health are as important, right, as the health services that people access. So it's good to hear that your organization works on that and that your institutes across the country help to support that. The private sector, too, which you mentioned, is really incredibly important. I know that from my own work. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you, you mentioned workforce development, and we've sort of been talking about population health, but we haven't defined it yet. When you think about population health improvement and the work your organization and, and member organizations do, wh- what does that mean to you, sort of population health improvement, and what does it look like when we're doing that well as a, as a country or for your organization as you do it well? Yeah, that's a great question, Gina. You know, I'm a, I'm a bit old school on the population health thinking. Um, for me, I absolutely love the Institute of Medicine's landmark report, which really framed our work in public health as what we do as a society to create the conditions in which people can be healthy. I think that is a very, very true statement, and I think it has its roots in thousands of years of history. If we just think a little bit about what the Romans did with building the aqueducts and all the way up to, you know, disease prevention and quarantine approaches that happened thousands of years ago. Uh, fast forward the clock to John Snow's work with removing the pump handle. All of that really was steps to be focusing on creating the conditions for health. And for a lot of good reason, we have a much better life expectancy in 2018 than we did you know, a hundred years ago. However, going backwards in life expectancy does tell us something about, you know, what we we need to be doing with population health improvement. Now, you're asking about, you know, what we do as an organization. I'll give you some examples of programs that are what we consider some signature programs across the network. There are so many programs we couldn't possibly talk about all of them. There's about $1.2 billion worth of programmatic activity across the institutes in any given year. That's amazing. Uh, Yeah, so I'll tell you just about a few of them. If you take a public health challenge like rising childhood obesity rates, um, we have some signature, a lot of signature programs um, in, in that area as an example. You've got Pump Up PE created by the Illinois Public Health Institute, and they are working directly with teachers across the state in physical education, looking at policy initiatives to promote academic achievement and to make those connections with physical education and academic achievement. Those are about some of their outcomes of about 23% increase in class time um, that the students were actually physically active. NMPHI has a large national technical assistance initiative in partnership with CDC on this very issue where we provide technical assistance to the schools. Another good example of a signature program that affects population health is some of the HIV infections in Washington, D.C., Our institute here has initiated a positive pathways program. Uh, That's the Public Health Institute for Innovation, and they are working with uh, clinical and non-clinical settings with 
community health workers, and in a very short period of time, only 12 months, you know, you can actually get a suppressed viral load by just taking some of those uh, interventions to the streets of D.C. as, as one example. Other, other institutes work on rural health care issues, whether they're provider shortages or, um, you know, not, not the, all the resources that we need in rural communities. Obviously, there's lots of players that have to come to, to bear. There may be transportation issues. There may be training issues in rural America. There's obviously telemedicine going on. So there's just so many signature programs on that. We also have uh, an increased demand for cost-effective public health data. And so many of our institutes have signature programs on data collection using different technologies now that will actually be more rapid uh, turnaround time, for example, using CDC's EPI information program. The North Carolina Public Health Institute has a data program called SMART. Um, lots and lots of good technology, I think, uh, as examples. And of course, you know, diabetes rates in Mississippi Delta, there's a lot of good signature programs going on in Mississippi. Uh, we do a lot, NMPHI, the national organization, also works with the Bristol-Myers Squibb Foundation. We do a lot of training on obesity prevention in communities. So to, to us, this is all population health work. Those are really terrific examples. It sounds like there's a lot of really, really exciting things happening um, across the country. And you said, I think, over a billion dollars worth of activity is happening in the um, institutes. That's terrific. Kind of given all those things that are going on, I mean, there's a lot happening. And I think for many of us in chronic disease, we feel this way too. There's so many things to be done. There's so much happening all the time. Are there one or two trends or anything that you want to tell our members about things you think are really important and in all of those incredible things happening they should be paying attention to in particular? There, there are many things that are important, but of, as we are into the beginning of 2018, I can tell you a couple of things that have been on my mind um, and they're, they're heating up even more. A number of years ago, CDC had discussed uh, and other public health inst uh, organizations have discussed maybe taking life stage approaches to population health improvement. And when I think about what's happening with the demographic shifts, the whole healthy aging movement is, is ripe. Um, we're beginning to do some of that work in public health, but we have so much to do. Um, how we design our communities, our homes, how we design data and information systems, our support systems, our use of technology, everything that we know can be preventable um, as we age across a, a lifespan. Just this morning, this is a true story, as I prepared uh, to call into this podcast, I got a text from my brother who lives in Louisville, and he had a very sad story of a long time family friend who passed away last night from uh, smoke inhalation in his house. And this is a man in his upper 80s who passed away in his sleep. Um, but again, this is a completely preventable condition, um, and it's it's part of our whole healthy aging movement. We've got a lot of folks living alone at, that, at those ages. Public health has a very, very important role here. I would say the second area in terms of a life stage approach would be youth development. 
when we think about the work we do with our physical activity in schools and integration of more active learning in classrooms, it's a great CDC partnership and with all the states that are partnering as well. Um, we do use the WISC model, which is the whole school, whole community, whole child model, but there's so many opportunities to build new partnerships that really help our young people. And if we think about the social determinants of health and drug use and misuse and addiction and all of the things that are working against us in terms of life expectancy, I think focusing on a human development perspective and a human development model and bringing that into public health could be very, very interesting and probably decades of work ahead of us on that if we really dig in. So those are two really important areas I would just highlight. Thank you so much for sharing those. Sorry to hear about the family friend who I think many of us have had similar experiences where we've seen a situation with an older adult where little things could have made such a big difference. And then youth development too, we see that here um, in our work as well. And I'm sure some of our chronic disease partners and programs across the country do. There's so many opportunities to use used to influence good health and community and also to promote good health, lifelong health, right, by working with uh, young adults. And sure. Teens. And all of these... All of these issues require robust partnerships with multiple sectors, and that's really the core of what we do. And I think that's what the core of so much public health work needs to be in this country. That's terrific. Thank you. Yeah. So what about training, though, then? I mean, kind of given that those are two big areas, right, healthy aging and um, sort of youth development as opportunities to improve population health that you see. And what about training? Uh, I know that's something that your network and network members do. Anything you can recommend that um, our listeners could do to advance their skills or knowledge around some of these things that you've just discussed? There's there's lots of things that we could take advantage of. One of the beauties of working in this field, and I can't imagine a more exciting career Uh, whether you're just starting out or if you've been in this a long time, um, we've got so many resources in this country, um, and many of them don't cost a lot of money, or some of them are actually free and open to the public. Um, On the free side, there is a, a tremendous resource with the public health training centers across the country. NMPHI has the privilege of serving as the National Coordinating Center for Public Health Training, which is supported by HRSA and other funders as well, but primarily HRSA's work. And we work very closely with the 10 regional public health training centers and their 40 local performance sites. Those are all schools of public health that accredited schools of public health at the 10 training centers that develop curriculum, that curriculum is all, much of it is asynchronous, not 100%, but much of it, and it's all open to the public, so it's public source. One thing that we're doing in 2018 is we will be, NMPHI will be working with all those partners to launch a public health learning navigator because oftentimes we've got these great resources and people don't know where to go to get them. And so this navigator will be on our website and it will be a place where you can find vetted coursework. So we're, we're not just going to junk it up with anything that's, you know, online. We're going to have public health practitioners actually rate the quality of the training. And if it meets the quality standards, we have a national group that have, has already developed the quality standards for online training 
Um, if it meets that, it will go in that navigator and you'll be able to find it no matter what university or nonprofit organization, wherever that training will lie. That's great. And if people wanted to get involved in that, is there a way for them to do that yet or is that sort of coming in the yep. future? Uh, there is a way. We are right now seeking volunteers to um, participate in the vetting process and we've got lots of public health folks from governmental agencies across the country who have volunteered already um, and they're actually having fun with it. It's not hard to do. We have a training tool uh, a quality review tool that we give folks, and, and then you get to learn something along the way. So it's, it's a fun interaction, and it doesn't take very long to do, uh, you know, maybe 20 minutes or so um, to weigh in on the quality of a course. And then and we look for, you know, iterator reliability and all of those important issues so that we know whatever courses get in that navigator, they're going to have been vetted already. So that's an easy way that um, folks can can get involved. Um, as I mentioned before, our annual conference in May in New Orleans, um, that will bring together more than 300. Uh, we, we were hoping with the Workforce Forum we might actually get up to 500 people, um, but that'll bring together lots of folks from around the country, all cutting-edge topics. You can submit abstracts, so you can get involved that way. We also have, for especially for governmental folks, we've got an open forum for quality improvement and innovation coming up in Louisville, Kentucky, and that brings together probably more than 300 expert practitioners working in governmental public health settings that are engaged in quality improvement initiatives, and so we like to share the best practices there, and, and that's a big lear national learning community that just keeps growing every year. Those are great. And I'm sorry, I think I interrupted you when you were talking about opportunities or skill advancement. Was there something else that you were going to mention? Um, I would say for folks in, in public health, to get involved with our national organizations, we've got so many good partners, you know, APHA, uh, ASTO, you know, NACHO, obviously NACDD, um, the Schools of Public Health, ASPPH, NMPHI, there, there, there are lots of opportunities within these national organizations. Sometimes you just need a little travel money if it's a conference, but there's also other ways to get involved with all of us, um, whether that's online or, you know, teleconferences. Um, so we've got great resources for the workforce, and it's easy to get real busy in your job locally if you work for state or local government, but um, get involved nationally. It can be really valuable. So is there anything else? You know, you'd like to tell our listeners. Uh, I would. I would also encourage folks, especially young folks starting out in their careers, um, to get out of their offices, get out of their health departments, and go to meetings and meet other sector partners. You know, education, transportation. There's so many good things happening in communities across the country, and that was really the core sort of learning from the Turning Point Initiative you know, 20 years ago is just to say, how do we, how does public health really be a valuable player? And the whole public health 3.0, that's also part of the DNA of that. You know, the, the public health strategist or health strategist role, like all of that requires that you're out there and you're meeting folks and you're letting folks know what public health is doing and then you're learning from what, what other sectors may be doing, um, that all of this will be ways to create the conditions in which people can be healthy. We can't do that if we just sit in our offices. Yeah, absolutely. Now that's great advice. And is there is there anything about 
you know, your organization or things about population health or anything you didn't get to share already that you want to talk about? Well, I would say also get to know your public health institutes in around the country where you live. And also, if you live in a state where there is no institute, it doesn't mean we don't have activity there. So NMPHI as a network serves all 50 states. And through all the training work we do, we also serve the U.S. territories. And so if you're interested in getting more involved in NMPHI as a network and learning about what's going on in your states, go on our website. You can contact us very easily through the web. You can also get in touch with any institute across the country. Um, Even if it's an institute that's not in your state, they may be be running programs that are actually in your state and you may want to get involved. So it's, it's real easy to do. You can reach us easily on the name of our website is nnphi.org. That's nn, two N's in a row, phi.org. Right. Well, Vince, this has been really informative. Um, Thank you so much for your time and for sharing a little bit about your organization and your ideas around population health improvement. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And uh, if there's any ways we can be helpful to your organization at any time, just you know how to reach me. Great. Thanks. All right. What a great episode. And I really like the work that they're doing at NNPHI. If you didn't catch that, by the way, the website, if you want more information, is nnphi.org. And that stands for National Network Public Health Institute. So nnphi.org. Well, that's going to wrap up another episode of Health Yeah! I hope you found it informative and entertaining like I did. On behalf of NACDD and Gene O'Connor, thank you very much for listening.